You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. It is Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Muscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and right here for the Locked On LSU Podcast, where we thank you for making us your first listen every single day. LSU fought valiantly Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, but comes up short 20-14. to 14. They lose to the Crimson Tide. Of course, a lot is going to be made of the fact that LSU was a 28.5-point underdog and had a chance to win the game. I believe that there are coexisting realities uh, that are, are not mutually exclusive. The fact that you can certainly salute the guys that played. LSU was down at least eight starters or eight players that had started on the defensive side of the ball, and they held Alabama in check. Alabama didn't score its first point of the game until late in the first half. It wasn't until the 252 mark when Brian Robinson scored that touchdown. Of course, LSU would throw an interception, and Bama would score again with just 48 seconds to half. And we will get to some of that game flow here in a second, and you know the plays that that cost LSU. But this was a defensive effort by the Tigers that was uh, more than commendable. You were facing you were a depleted defense. You were facing a an offense that was averaging 47 points a game and nearly 500 yards of offense, and you held them to 20 points. You held them, you held them four touchdowns under their per-game average, and about a, into 308 total yards, so almost 200 yards below their per-game average. It was a, a great defensive performance. It was a great defensive effort. LSU brought pressure, and you saw guys step up, even during the game where you saw Dwight McLaughlin go out. Go out. You saw guys in the secondary like Radarius Jones and Cam Lewis had a big you know, strip sack in the ball game, which gave LSU a great chance in the second half. There were so many guys that stepped up and played huge. Neil Farrell was uh, at his disruptive best. Uh, Damone Clark, another big game for the Tigers. And LSU defensively, especially in the second half, after giving up the 58-yard touchdown to Williams, LSU forced back-to-back-to-back three and outs, which gave its offense an opportunity to get back into the game and have a chance to win it. Unfortunately, Tigers just couldn't make enough plays to get it done. So... The conflicting or the coexisting realities are that, yes, you can absolutely commend the guys that played hard. The offensive line, which you know came together as a unit, paved the way for Ty Davis-Price to have 104 yards. He had a 100-yard game. You know, there, are, there was that collective combined effort from a team that had a lot of pride, didn't like the fact that it was a four-touchdown underdog, went on the roads to toe-to-toe with a really good Alabama team, and really came close to winning the game. The opposite part is also true where, as a program, you can't be into moral victories. LSU still lost to Alabama. LSU was still a four-touchdown underdog in a conference game. You know, the Celebrating a loss to your rival because it was close isn't something that should ever be accepted. And I understand Ed Ogeron has already been fired. There's going to be a new staff. There's going to be change. And that's part of the underlying reason why. When the culture is eroded to the point where you're celebrating a close loss, when you're LSU, you you can't be okay with that. I mean, it's if you fancy yourselves as the elite program that Bama and Clemson and Oklahoma and Ohio State and those are your Georgia right now, even though they haven't won a national title, there has to be a 
a floor where you're not going to fall below that. I always say I embrace expectations. LSU fans expect a championship every year. It's not realistic to win a championship every year. But if that's the expectation, then the disappointment is when you lose a game that's going to cost you an opportunity at title, not when you lose a game that costs you an opportunity at wrecking someone else's season. And that does show, you know, just, the, the again, the coexisting reality. Because of this season and the context of it and everything LSU was up against, you can be very proud of the team for going on the road to Tuscaloosa and playing the game that they did. But the flip side is also true. Where we're at a point where, you know, we're you congratulating a team for a close loss. It illustrates just how far in a very short amount of time the program as a whole has fallen. But because of the effort, because of some of the plays that were made by a really depleted football team, it also illustrates how close LSU could be to a rebound next year if everything falls into place. Uh, it is the Locked on LSU podcast. We're going to delve into the game itself here in uh, in just a moment, look at what LSU has ahead, and you know, quite possibly could we see a little bit of a change at the quarterback position with Nussmeyer getting involved moving forward. We'll talk about that. Always love to tell you about prize picks, and we certainly appreciate prize picks for being a great sponsor here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. So, all the prop bets that you could possibly think of from yardage and touchdowns, even like interceptions thrown, it's all available at Prize Picks. And our friends at Prize Picks are giving you a great deal when you log on or you download the app, you sign up. When you use the code locked on, when you make that deposit and use the code locked on, you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And Prize picks does allow mixed sports entry. So you could take like the over on LeBron and the under on Mahomes in the same entry. So check it out. It's prize picks. You can make picks in 60 seconds or less. Easy, uh, fast, and safe withdrawals. It's prize picks. Again, use the code locked on to get your 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com. Use the code locked on. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Compliment our team for how hard they played. I truly thought we were a better team tonight. We just came up a couple plays short. Uh, wish we would have had a better plan uh, on offense, especially in the second half. We had opportunities to score. We didn't. I got to take that responsibility. I just wish that we could have put our guys in better positions to win. Edo's run after the loss Saturday night in Tuscaloosa against Alabama, 20-14. to The Tigers fall with an opportunity to score a win that certainly would have been a benchmark win for the program, certainly for this season. But LSU came out strong. Uh, they forced a missed field goal on Alabama's opening possession of the game. One thing that certainly was notable that played out is that Alabama's starting center was injured. Their right tackle moved to center, and they inserted a young player at right tackle, and LSU's stunts and a lot of their veteran interior players, guys like Neil Farrell and Glenn Logan, gave Alabama's offensive line a lot of trouble. And as a result, LSU was able to generate an awful lot of pressure in this ball game uh, against that Alabama front and on Bryce Jones. You know, when you look at um, 
you know, when you look at a lot of the defensive numbers for LSU in this ball game, they weren't as disruptive in this game as, as they had been early in the season. Eight tackles for loss for LSU, four sacks, four passes defended, another two quarterback hurries. LSU was was its disruptive best, and in large part because that that uh, sort of remade Alabama offensive line wasn't sure where the pressure was coming from, and LSU did a really good job of capitalizing on it. Now, LSU did score on its first possession, in large part because of a fake punt. And man, it was so odd how it played out because LSU had to burn a timeout before the punt. And so we're all thinking, here we go again. You're wasting a timeout before the punt. And they came out of that timeout and faked it. And amazingly, Alabama, probably because they've seen LSU in that situation, waste timeouts throughout the year, weren't thinking fake. They were probably just thinking, here goes LSU again, not managing the clock, but a great play with Avery Atkins, a little jump past Jack Mashburn. The Tigers would go on. Brian Thomas scored his first career touchdown, and LSU was up 7 to nothing. From that point on, you just had an awful lot of back and forth without anybody moving the football until right before the half when Alabama punched in its first touchdown uh, on a first-and-goal run by Brian Robinson, and that's when the trouble started for LSU. You'd played a great first half. You are getting the ball to start the second half. There's about two minutes left. If you can just run clock, punt it, go to the half, you're going to get the ball to start the second half, and you're feeling really good about where you are. Instead, on a third and floor for a deflected ball interception by Alabama, gives the tie the ball at the LSU 39, and one, two, three, four, five plays later, they're in the end zone on the John Mechie touchdown. So in a blink, LSU went from playing as good good as it could in the first half and leading to now down seven going into halftime and then the start the second half of course on the third play or the fourth play of the half uh ty davis price on a, a really well-designed screen pass that went for a big gain he fumbled at the end of the play which gave alabama the ball again in plus territory or, or near midfield and a 58 yard touchdown pass to, to jameson williams and it's 20 to 7 bama missed the pat so at that moment, I think many of us sort of closed our notebooks and just decided to maybe pour a cocktail, and that was what we all felt was inevitable. LSU had made it a game for a half, but Alabama did what they were going to do, which is ultimately take over and seize control of the game. But LSU continued to play tough. Here was Ed Ogeron about the turnovers. Costly. That turnover, that's a turnover before first half should have never happened. Costly, you know, and then Tyron had a big run. You know, the guy the guy did a good job stripping, but we knew we had to win the turnover battle to win the game, and there were two costly, costly turnovers, no doubt. No doubt the turnovers were costly, and ultimately that is what cost LSU the football game when you look at the final margin. But LSU would punt, force a three and out, and then you'd see that Jack Besh touchdown, and LSU would crawl within 20-14. to 14. And from that point on, LSU would force back-to-back three and outs from Alabama. So three consecutive three and outs the defense forced after the Williams 58-yard touchdown, which gave LSU a shot. And this is the sequence where LSU, in the fourth quarter, had their opportunity. Three possessions in a 20-14 ball game to try to go take the lead or win it, and they couldn't get it done. LSU did put together a fantastic drive. 14 plays, 74 yards, and it all ended on a fourth down play from the seven-yard line where Ed Ogeron had an opportunity to kick the field goal to pull LSU within three, instead decided to go for it on fourth and goal from the seven. Now, listen, to be very clear, whatever you decide in that moment, hindsight is always going to be 
So if they scored the touchdown, brilliant call. They didn't score the touchdown, so wrong call. And maybe in the moment, it was the right call either way. I think ultimately there's logic behind both. You could look at it and say, go for it on fourth and seven because you're at the seven-yard line. You don't know if you get that close again. And if you convert here, so many of the variables flip to the pressure on Alabama. Now they're playing from behind. Now you have the clock in your favor. They have to be more risky because they're losing the ball game. So, And your defense was playing well at that point. So I, I can understand that. I, in the moment, said kick the field goal. And here was why. More than six minutes remaining in the ball game. You have Cade York. If you convert this field goal here, your defense is playing well. Get a stop. And then all you need is a, a Cade York field goal, which if you're inside a 60, you're within his range to tie the ball and force tie the game and force overtime at worst. And as it played out, you had not one but two potential opportunities at what could have been a game-tying or game-winning field goal had you kicked the field goal there. They didn't. They throw the ball into the end zone, ultimately, and the ball was just a little high for Trey Palmer, and he was open. He was in front of that defender, and it just didn't work out. Now, Bama got the ball back, and LSU gets the sack fumble from Cam Lewis. And this is where LSU in plus territory, again, you're in Cade York range, but at this point you need you feel like you need the touchdown. So they face a fourth and nine, and this might have been the worst throw of the night for Max Johnson, which is the ball that, that sailed on Jack Bash where he was open in the red zone, and I would have kept that drive alive. LSU did force a Bama punt. They played the um, the turnover game. Tigers got the ball back with 50 seconds left and with you know made a couple plays, and with 30 seconds on the final play, or rather I should say from the 30 on the final play, had a shot in the end zone. We know it fell incomplete. But Tigers had their opportunities at the end of the game to win it, and they just couldn't ultimately get it done. So LSU on the season falls to 4-5. and five. Alabama at the 8-1 keeps its championship hopes alive. So for LSU now and for Ed Ogeron, the big question is, what do you do coming off of that loss? How does the remaining three weeks of the season look? We'll get to that here in just a quick second. We are brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar in the world, so order yours today. I'll tell you, Built Bar has become part of my daily routine. BuiltBar.com, BuiltBar.com. Use the code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your order. Some days I grab a Built Bar because I'm running out of the door to get my son to school, and I don't have time for breakfast, so I grab a Built Bar. Or a lot of days, most days, I have a Built Bar in my desk, so when I start my radio show at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right around 2.30, it's my pre-show snack that's going to get me powered through until dinner. Find your favorite flavor at BuiltBar.com. Soft and chewy, tastes great, like a candy bar without all of the bad stuff that comes in a candy bar. Built Bar is high protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar, keto, gluten-free. It's Built Bar. Find your favorite favorite flavor today at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com. Be sure to use the code LOCK15 to save 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Our guys came to win, Mike. I, I, we had the best week of practice. I know people get tired of me saying that, but we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I mean, our guys were on, and this is LSU Alabama. I knew they were going to play well by the way we practiced. But here's what I, I do want to say, though. This got to lead into the last three games. we got to play the last three games with the same fire, the same intensity, same fire we had on defense, and get better on offense. And it's, I told them, the next, the next week in Arkansas, we got to get ready. We gotta get ready and play well. 
Ed Ogeron setting the stage here for the final three games of LSU season where the Tigers are going to need to take two out of three if they want to reach bowl eligibility. Thank you for making us your first listen here on the Locked on LSU podcast. So LSU is going to take on Arkansas, then ULM, and then they host A&M. That A&M game is certainly going to be tough considering how well that Texas A&M defense is playing. They allowed just three points to Auburn this past Saturday, and A&M could very well be playing for a spot in the SEC championship game if Bama slips up somewhere along the way. So a lot for that Aggie team to play for. And realistically for LSU, it would seem as though if you're going to win uh, two of these three, it's got to be the next two. You you figure you're going to win ULM at home, but Arkansas coming in this weekend would be your best opportunity. One of the big questions that Ed Ogeron is going to have to answer all week is about the quarterback position. Now, I'm not going to put the loss against Alabama entirely on, on Max Johnson. Uh, he certainly did not play his best game of the season. And you could argue, and as some have, that throughout the course of the season, Max Johnson has regressed. I- I'm not going to say he's regressed. I think he's been beaten up behind a porous offensive line. For the most part, LSU hasn't had much of a running game all season to compliment him. And I- you've also seen just better competition as the season goes along. So Johnson was 16 of 32 for 160 yards, two touchdowns, and the interception. Tigers really struggle to push the ball downfield. And I'll remind you, there is no Kayshawn Boutte as well. It's going to hurt any quarterback when you take the best receiving weapon off the field. But Max Johnson's play has been inconsistent. And it is fair to say that. And he has missed some open receivers. That is also fair to say. I don't know if Garrett Nussmeyer is is the answer to this question. But Ed Ogeron was, was asked about Nussmeyer going forward. The thing I talked to Garrett was, if I'm going to play him, is going to be for significant snaps. And uh, I just wasn't going to play him for two or three snaps tonight. Uh, it's got to be significant. And listen, I do believe he's going to end up redshirting. Uh, it's not sure yet, but I hate for him to burn a redshirt year for two or three plays. So that really is the question now that Ed Ogeron and his staff are going to have to answer. Are they committed to Max Johnson for the final three games, or is this an opportunity for Garrett Nussmeyer to maybe make this offense better. I don't know in the limited time that we've seen Garrett that we can definitively say that he's a better option, but what is fair to say is that you know Max Johnson this year has been has been hamstrung by maybe his own physical limitations or the offensive play call, the lack of a of a quarterback coach like Steve Ensminger, the lack of a complimentary running game, Kayshawn Butte not being out there. It's not to say I, I don't want to sound like like this is dogpiling on Max Johnson because I understand there's a lot of people who are in that camp today. And and something that you're probably going to hear me say pretty consistently is the reason why at the start of this season I wasn't as bullish on Max Johnson as a lot of fans and maybe media were is because we had only had a two-game sample against two awful defenses in Ole Miss and Florida at the end of last season. I will remind you that the last three times LSU has predominantly started a sophomore, true sophomore quarterback, 2015 Brandon Harris, 2014 Anthony Jennings, and 2009 Jordan Jefferson. None of those seasons were spectacular. 2015 was a bit of an outlier because of Leonard Fournette, the great season he had, but once he got stonewalled by Alabama, that season unraveled late. But the point being... You didn't see dynamic offensive play, especially from the quarterbacks, because it's tough for young quarterbacks in the SEC to be dynamic. I'll remind you that Joe Burrow, in 2018, his first season at LSU, 
went the entire month of October without throwing a touchdown pass. So Max Johnson isn't a finished product. He's a young quarterback who's trying to get better. And a lot of these are learning experiences. The question is, do you want to give Garrett Nussmeyer the opportunity to gain those experiences as well throughout the remainder of this season? And that's a question Ed Ogeron and his staff, along with Nussmeyer, are going to have to make. If Ed Ogeron decides he wants to start Garrett Nussmeyer and Nussmeyer is okay burning that redshirt year, then fantastic. Go on and do it. But ultimately, that is something that they will all have to collectively decide if they want to make that switch and allow Garrett to start these final three games or give an opportunity to start here over these final three games as sort of a preamble to next season. And that becomes very relevant now because LSU welcomes in Arkansas. And as we said, LSU's got to win two of its next three if they're going to reach bowl eligibility. All this week, we'll certainly be counting you down to LSU and Arkansas, getting you ready for it from Tiger Stadium Saturday night. Be with us here all day or all week on the Locked on LSU podcast where we thank you for making us your first listen. And for all of the SEC action, make Locked on SEC your second listen. Our buddy Chris Gordy has got the league covered top to bottom every single day. Until tomorrow, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day.